She got the Cracker Jack and all I wants the prize, honey. Welcome to Backtracks Aerosmith Revisited. My name is Corey Morissette, joined as always by the sexiest man in podcasting, Scott Haskin. How you doing tonight, Scott? I am fully recovered from last week, ready to tackle a new Aerosmith song. He's fully recovered. He's fully erect. As per usual, when we record, he's ready to rock and roll. Joined, joining us as always is the legend, everybody's favorite grumpy man, John Mariano. How you doing, John? Oh, I'm terrific, Corey. I've been sitting on my couch all week, e- eating eating Cheetos by the bucketful, listening to the Knapsack Network, the the home of the blathering with Ken Nick Ken Knapsack, the Saturday Night Knapsack, and much more. The Blathering is an off the cuff, from the heart and the head podcast from comedian and author Ken Knapsack, written, hosted, performed by Ken Knapsack, co-creator of Four Center, The Knapsack Files, and Pop Rock and Radio. Saturday Night Knapsack is a satirical radio show full of a wide cast of characters, all played by Ken. Um, download it, listen to it, you know, eat buckets with Cheetos while you listen to it. Um, the Knapsack Network, home of the blathering. I got to tell you, Scott, he did that unprompted. So Johnny's bringing his A-game tonight. You're going to have to knock it out of the park here with the uh, deep dive copy. Why don't you lay it on us? Well... You know, Corey, as you well know, we do this show and you and John also do another show called Backtracks Theme Music, getting into all things film and television music related. It's a fantastic show. You guys should all listen to it as soon as you're done with this episode. Then Corey does another show with our friend Mark Kamire called And the Podcast Will Rock. I do a show called Uriah Heap the Magician's Podcast, which is back for two more seasons, 39 fun-filled episodes. And our buddies Nate and John, of course, do the Deep Purple podcast, the godfather of all deep dive podcasts. Then we have Skinnered Reconsidered, T-Bone's Prime Cuts on the other side, Sabbath Bloody podcast, In the Lap of the Pods, Hawk Binge, Maiden A to Z, Diary of the Mad Men, the ultimate Aussie podcast, Universal, there I was doing so well. I really was. Universally speaking, the Red Hot Chili Peppers podcast, the Judas Priest cast, North by South podcast, So Far, So Pod, So What, Tom Petty Project, Seaside Pod Review, and Volume for All, Rock Roulette podcast, and our newest member regarding Lulu. But not to be outshined by our friends at the Meet the Geeks Inc. podcast and Booked on Rock. Boo. That was terrible. You suck, Scott. I know. I had to screw it up once. <laughs> That's still better than I can do. That's why I throw to you guys for the copy. But we're going to talk about rock and roll. And actually, there was a rock and roll story that kind of dropped today that interests me a little bit. I wanted to get both your takes on it. And right now, in, in terms of rock and roll performances and concerts, the whole talk lately has been about tracks. Who's performing the tracks? Uh, who's not? Who's actually mm-hmm. playing live? Who's playing the stuff? Uh, Mick Mars, former uh, guitarist for Motley Crue, is actually suing his bandmates now. Uh, for a number of different reasons, but when they're they're screwing him out of royalties from this past tour, and in that lawsuit, he alleges that ninety percent of their show is is to tracks. Like, not a single note Nikki Six is playing on the basses live. Uh, most of the vocals are tracks, and even the drums are, are tracks. Um, and, and that's a real bone of contention uh, with some people. I know Eddie Trunk is very much on the just get up there and fucking play, quit playing the tracks type thing. I wanted to get your your take on that. Let's start with Scott. 
do you lose respect for a lot of bands when they get up there and just mime to tracks? Well, I I think the first question I would have is how do how does a drummer play to tracks when they're so you know, a guitar player can can kind of turn and twist and be moving around and it's hard to see exactly what they're playing. Uh, but a drummer, that's, you know, when you hit a cymbal, you hear a cymbal. Uh, if you hear a cymbal and you don't see one swishing around on the stand, something's kind of weird. I don't know how you get away with that. Uh, I think it depends on the venue. I would say with rock and roll, yeah, I, I kind of have a hard time with that. Uh, if it's somebody like, let's say, Britney Spears, who's putting on a show where you're dancing around, it would be impossible to sing 100% of that and do those moves and not just pass out uh, two songs into the show. Uh, it's kind of understood. But with a rock band, I mean, I, I don't begrudge people going out and doing what they love, but I would rather see you find a new way to play the song that you can play uh, and still feel like you're you're worthy of of the audience but i kind of feel like you're you're just lying to the audience at that point well, john you've been to some stadium shows uh recently uh did you notice anybody playing the tracks because that was one of the excuses given like oh maybe because it's a stadium tour you got to play the tracks to make sure your performance is on par i i, I mean I, I sit pretty far back but i would think that if axel was singing to tracks it would have sounded much crisper and cleaner mm -hmm. um and and, and you know, I don't. I would I would lose a lot of respect for Slash or, and most of the rest of the band if they were playing to tracks. Um, my feeling on tracks is pretty simple. Um, I'm, I'm a child of the '80s, and we um, very famously canceled um, Rob and Fab for singing to tracks. Um, and, and I mean, granted, they weren't. It wasn't their tracks. It was somebody else's tracks. But we canceled them. But I feel like that kind of set the tone for. Um, a lot of people in our generation on tracks is like, you know, just go up there and fucking sing, man. Like, I don't care if it sounds like shit. I'd rather, I'd rather hear you in your sixties or seventies sound like shit than hear something I could have heard at home because it was recorded. I, I know. And to, to your drum point with Molly crew, they actually alleged that in one concert, uh, Tommy Lee was actually walking to the kit and the drums started playing. He's like, just was, that good. Yeah. <laughs> so so that's how bad this groups have been you know uh, nikki is you know pumping his fist in the air while the bass is playing on the track like oh stupid shit like that right and and, and mick fought back apparently according to his lawsuit he said I, I i i'm capable of playing this stuff i've been playing it for 40 years let me play it and they're like no and but and if, if, if you're gonna play the tracks then fucking get uh, some vocals that sound good because vince sounds like shit if he sounds like shit on tracks like, how bad is he live? Well, yeah. You know what I, because I, I like a lot of bands from the 70s. And as those singers have gotten older, the bands will tune down the song so that the mm -hmm. singer can sing them. And I would rather see that than, you know, trying to perfectly lip sync or, or perform sync to, uh, to a track. Uh, I don't think there's anything wrong with people getting older and not being able to perform the way they did when they were in their 20s. I mean, that's just the progression of life. But if you're going to go out on stage, uh, why would you want to ruin your legacy and everything that you've worked for to try and get a couple bucks? The The question I would have is, did he have a did he go out there and do it knowing they did that and he didn't have a problem until they were cheating him out of money? And that's why he's now exposing this. Or was this like, guys, I'm not doing this unless we do it the right way. Well, yeah, there's a. Uh... 
differing stories as to how he left. Some are saying like, uh, you know, because of his uh, his spinal condition, uh, which makes it very incredibly painful for him to even get around, much less play. That yeah. that's why he left the road. Uh, he maintains that he said, "I'm not, I can't tour anymore, but I can still do one-off performances and I can still work in the studio." He still wanted to be kind of a member of Motley Crue, and mm -hmm. it was like Nikki saying, uh, "No, we need to move on and bring in like John Five and and, and wow. you know just you know, kind of get him out of the band." And then they offered him like a you know a very small like he used to get twenty five percent of being a director of the Motley Crue Corporation, right? And mm -hmm. they cut him back to five and said, "You're you're lucky to get that." Wow. And then, yeah, and so that's when he came out and said, "Well, fuck you, uh, I'm done, and you're going to pay me what you owe me." Boy, between that and Kiss, uh, Kiss firing back shots at each other, and uh, it's, oh, it's Kiss just have always done that, though. Like that's that's nothing yeah. new for them. <laughs> that's true. Uh, I I don't know how many days uh, is it is the week up before? Uh, oh, it is. Yeah, go, yeah. No, yeah. Uh, uh, Ace Freely was it yesterday? I think was the deadline. And he went mm -hmm. on Eddie Trunk's show. And they said, "Okay, did you get your apology?" And he said, "No, actually, Paul Stanley called me, and it was a five-second conversation." He said, "Fuck you, I'm not apologizing," and hung up. And wow. so, like, okay, what's the tea? You have Ace and Ace is like, "No, I'm going to take the hire. I'm not going to say anything." So it was all for nothing. Yeah, it just would have been something nobody cared about anyway. Because Probably. at this point, who cares? Exactly. Uh, my only concern, like Bon Jovi's been playing the tracks, Def Leppard now been caught playing the tracks. Yeah, uh, Motley Crue, Kiss is playing the tracks. What's going to happen if Aerosmith hits the road again? Like they're not getting any younger. Uh, last, as far as I know, I didn't. Last time I saw them was in 2018. That was live. Uh, you could tell because there was a lot of mistakes, which again I'm fine with. It's a live experience, right? If you screw up something, that's great. I saw yeah. Guns N' Roses in a stadium, and uh, you know Axel's dropping his mic pack. Uh, he fucked up the words. Like all that's fine to me. Like uh, that—that's mm -hmm. part of being in the show. Roger Taylor forgot the words to Radio Gaga, the last Queen show I went to. That's a song he wrote. I thought that was great. And they just yeah. restarted the song. It was fantastic. Yeah. And Ian Gillen never remembers the words to, to half the Deep yeah. Purple songs. Uh, I, I think the way that I feel about it is as somebody who's been in a band and has performed, um, obviously not to the level of a band like Aerosmith or, or Kiss. Um, I think the thing is, if I, I don't disparage anybody from doing what they love. I don't disparage anybody from not being able to do it the way they did in the old days. Like what's Metallica going to do? Are they going to go out and play battery in their seventies? And I mean, I don't really see that happening. Yeah, probably. You're damn, you're damn right. They are. <laughs> well, Metallica <laughs> might, but uh, you know, I, I mean, it's, we, we get older, we can't do what we used to be able to do, but go out and, and find a way to play the songs in a way that you can do it yourself. Yeah. That's yeah. Or, or stop. You know what? I, I still go back to Brian Adams. I saw him this year, and he mixes up the set list every night. He takes requests. Like, you can tell they're not playing the tracks. Def Leppard is such a regimented set list. They never, ever change it because it's all to tracks, right? So mm -hmm. it, it's it's I, that's not what I'm going to going to see. I want to see Axl Rose dropping his, uh, his mic pack or Roger Taylor forgetting the words and having a laugh about it. You know, yeah. th that's a memory that sticks with me. And they sounded great uh, both shows. It's it's rock and roll, you know. Yep. It, it's not rock and roll if you're if you're programmed. The only the only thing I would say is if you if you've written something that you can't uh, like you don't have enough people. Like let's say there's three or four keyboard tracks that need to play at the same time. Like I don't mind layering and, and that kind of thing. Yeah. But things that you can perform should be performed. Yeah. Everyone points to Queen. Oh, Queen's been playing the track since the seventies. Well, no, they've been playing the opera section from Bohemian Rhapsody since the 70s because they can't replicate that on stage that's right. a little different 
Yeah. And, and, and they're also not like feigning that they're singing that part. They're, exactly. They're, they're clearly taking right. a break while that's happening. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. They're obvious about it. I yeah. just wanted to get your guys' take on that. I thought that was kind of an interesting discussion because that's what a lot of a lot of people are talking about right now in the world of rock and roll is, is uh, playing the tracks. Before we get started, I also have a news item, but oh, I don't good. have a mu- I don't have a musical news item, but something that just dropped. Oh boy! I, I I don't know if you guys are familiar with the show The Last of Us, the vi- also from a video game. I've heard about it, but I've never seen it. Same. So 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 the show is about the zombie apocalypse, but what's different is they have taken this plant. From or this fungus or whatever um, from South America that will infect ants and turn ants into zombies. And this is an actual thing that happens. Mm-hmm. And it's only relevant because a news story just dropped. I haven't read, I haven't read it. I've only read the headline. But oh. guys, get ready for it. We have the first human case of a human being infected by a plant fungus. Oh my God. It sounds like a Gilligan's Island story. Up until up until the, the person infected tries to eat Gilligan. <laughs> it's a little darker than that, Scott. Scott's so optimistic. I am. You know, it's it's funny. I it, as a musician, I I tried to listen to lots of different things, and for a while, I got really hooked on nature videos on YouTube, and I was just listening to different soundtracks. But I started thinking about the animal kingdom. You're just walking along, and you see another living thing, and you go, "That looks delicious," and you run it over, and you start chewing on it. I'm so glad people don't do that. And then I think, well, that's kind of what zombies do. Clearly, you've never been to Jersey. And it's I've also why I dream. It's it's why I dream of being a jaguar at some point in my afterlife. I can see that. I never knew it, that about you, John. You dream about I, being a jaguar. A jaguar is so badass. Like everyone wants to be like a lion or a tiger. Like they're so tough. Jaguars jump into rivers and rip caimans out by their heads, and pull them out for dinner. Like that's badass. That's true. I, I've seen jaguars get pulled into water by a crocodile and come out carrying the crocodile in its mouth. Take, take that, Simba. <laughs> I tell you, I, I don't dream about being a, a jaguar. I've always dreamt about being a lumberjack, leaping from tree to tree as they float down the mighty rivers of British Columbia. There's a visual I will never forget. Well, and a, a great song from Monty Python called The Lumberjack Song. I'm a lumberjack and I'm okay. I sleep all night and I work all day. That's very reminiscent of the Underpants Gnome song from South Park. I wonder if that's where they got it. You know what? I, I would not be surprised if they were inspired uh, by Monty Python uh, and The Lumberjack Song. And, of course, uh, the, the the main verse of that was, I cut down trees, I wear high heels, suspenders, and a bra. I wish I'd been a girly just like my dear papa. Which you can't do in America right now. It's illegal. Well, and they should be writing lyrics for Aerosmith. <laughs> Especially based on last week's song, Love Three Times, which uh, was not very popular amongst the panel here. Musically, it was good. Uh, both Scott and I agreed with that. Uh, John uh, did not describe that song fondly. I thought it was worse than a wet fart on a humid day. You, you, you actually told our listeners to go run headfirst into a brick wall. It'd be a better experience. I don't feel like I was lying to them. <laughs> I think we got my favorite Mariano bit out of uh, last week's show when he said, if you don't want to hear the song, skip ahead one minute. And we played literally one minute of a song so they could get back to us talking. When most of the time, I think they're skipping us talking to get back to the song. <laughs> right. 
But that's only when the song is good. And we got some good ones on the dice. Let's recap them here for the folks. We have Jaded, You See Me Crying, Hole in My Soul from A Little South of Sanity, My Fist, Your Face, I'm Down, and Write Me a Letter from the debut album added last week from John Mariano. Johnny, what are you hoping to land on here tonight? You tell lies thinking I can't see. You can't cry because you're laughing at me. I'm down. I'm really down. This let's let's get this fucker off the the die. Absolutely, Scott. I'm down with that. All right, we're gonna roll the dice. You can tell the show's not rigged because we've been begging to get this song off the dice for like two months at least now. Before you roll, could you take the other five songs off the dice really quick? (laughs) (laughs) If only it worked that way. But no, I I can't do it. We're we're gonna do this right. We're gonna roll this fucker and we're gonna come up. My Fist, Your Face, Done With Mirrors, another John Mariano selection here tonight. No, that's mine, isn't it? I picked this one. Oh, I'm very happy now. This is mine. This is not a John song. This is a Corey song. My Fist, Your Face, 1985, Done With Mirrors. Uh, Scott, do you have a lot of uh, recollections uh, of this album or this era of Aerosmith? Uh, well, it's it's bringing me back to memories of getting beaten up when I was a kid. But no, uh, I've never heard the song. Johnny, uh, do you remember this one? Oh, vaguely. Um, I know I, I've heard it like on random, but do I know it from just the name of the song? No, but I might know it from like the first chord or two as we as we listen to it. All right. Th- this was a single uh, off of Done With Mirrors. Uh, it's a promo only single, but it still counts as a single. I know uh, Kevin Brown uh, doesn't like it when we do promo singles, but it's officially listed as a single, so we have to count it as such. Recorded at the Power Station in New York City. Uh, songwriters are Steven Tyler and Joe Perry. Uh, this album produced by Ted Templeman of Van Halen fame. And really kind of a, a hidden gem, uh, in my opinion, uh, of the Aerosmith discography. Uh, this was supposed to be the big comeback album. Uh, didn't quite work out that way for him. That would come a couple years later with Permanent Vacation. But there's still some gems on this album, uh, including hopefully this one. I don't want to tip my hand, but... Uh, I'm I'm pretty happy you got a little my fist to your face. So what do you say, boys? Let's go. Here it is. already i'm just so happy because it, it's kind of the opposite of what we had last week right you had that big fucking 57 second diatribe <laughs> we we control the audio we control all that horse shit this is just, it sounds like uh five guys in a garage just plugged in and just started playing yeah they they sound really good uh so far i love that crisp drum sound and i i like uh hearing steven back to having no effects on his voice that alter his sound he actually sounds really good and clean here Yep, and thank God for Ted Templeman. If anyone knows how to mic a drum kit, it's Ted mm-hmm. Templeman working yep. with Alex Van Halen for all those years. It's amazing that one of the greatest vocalists of all time doesn't need help in selling his <laughs> vocals to the audience, right? Isn't that fun? It, 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 it's almost like when Led Zeppelin was like, oh, oh, look, they, they keep trying to give John Bonham a, se- a second bass drum. And he doesn't he doesn't need it. Like He's good enough without it, right? <laughs> <laughs> like some people have enough talent they don't need the extra help Stephen right. Tyler being one of them what well, yep. you, you know i don't want him sing, singing through a megaphone or an auto tune or a wah pedal 
or whatever the fuck was going on last week. Give me this. Every this is already a better song. If the song ends in the next like three seconds, it's better than last week. Agreed. All right, so we have Wake Up Baby, What You In For, Start the Day Upon Your Knees, a very typical Stephen Tyler sentiment. It, Stephen Tyler, Gene Simmons, they sing about the same stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, what You Piss It In The Wind For, which I would not recommend doing. That's a bad idea. You yeah. must have snorted too much bleeze. Now, I'm not up on my drug lingo. Bleeze is what? I'm I'm going to look. Uh, you know, there, there are some bands that have made a career out of singing about you know, sex or, or yeah, I'll just call it sex. Cause it's, they say it as love making, but they're really talking about sex. Yeah. Um, however, like when I think about a band like the Scorpions who that's what they mostly sing about white snake is kind of more along the lines of not even being that subtle and it's sex. Slide um, it in. I mean, it, yeah, it doesn't exactly. Get... <laughs> Slide it in, spit it out on the same album. Um, <laughs> But there's there's just something about the way that Steven's lyrics are that are it's like he's trying to be cheeky. And I think that they're more obvious than he realizes they are. I don't know. I, I just get that impression from him. Uh, Blease, I'm just getting it as, um, uh, let's see, uh, pronounce words in a religious right to confer or invoke. What year was the song written, Corey? 85. So so what I'm getting is that this this was um Blease is an anti-heroine supervillain from DC Comics um as part of the Red Lantern Corps who fight the Green Lanterns um created by Jeff Johns in 2008. Interesting. Hmm. So it's going to be the next uh, DC superhero that uh, James Gunn is going to trot out. <laughs> yeah, she, she, she's a lady with a red red ring that seems like she's a complete narcissist. Like, sign me up. Yeah, I'd watch that movie. I always appreciate a good dirty groove there with the guitar. That sounded cool. It, it, I really, it, it, sorry, go ahead, Scott. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, I really like the guitar sound. This this musically and even vocally, it really kind of goes back to the the Aerosmith that I was turned on to with uh, Toys in the Attic and Permanent Vacation. It just seems to fit uh, more in that mode than a lot of the other songs that I've heard since uh, since the show's come out. This this. Song, this dirty guitar here. Um, what Stephen has going on lyrically and vocally, um, Joey's drums all feel like a punch in the face in the best way possible. Like 
it sounds like a musical punch in the face. Not like they're punching me in the face, but maybe they're punching somebody I really want to see get punched in the face. In the face. Right? It, it, it feels like... Do you guys remember that movie, Mr. Mom? Yep. Yeah. So there's a point in that movie where um, Michael Keaton's character has enough with Terry Gar's boss, played by Martin Mull, and just lays him out, and his kid starts running around the house going, one punch, one punch! Like, all excited his dad knocked the guy out with one punch. And I feel like I'm that kid listening to this song. Hmm. I knew this one would speak to you a little bit, John. Are we going to talk about the 13-year-old hookers or just let it go? Well, I, I'm trying to determine if if he's, like, inviting them in or if he's just saying that this is a thing that exists. Like, if, he, if he's talking about, you know, a, a country where that's that's common, uh, okay, uh, he would probably frequent there, I, I, would, I would imagine. I just want to point out, like, we have movies like Taxi Driver with a very young, I think, like, 13-year-old or so, Jodie Foster plays a prostitute, right? And, and it's a very real thing. And a lot of the places where these guys were going, the dive bars and shit, had 13-year-old prostitutes outside. I'm not say, saying anything about whether or not they entertain them, but if you see them and you're writing what you see, it would make sense to include them in your song. And if you're doing heroin and hard drugs, you're in areas where that's what you're going to see. You're going to see a lot of child sex trafficking and, and, and it's not in defense of the lyrics. It's just, if that's what you see, that's what you're going to write. That's fair. And I've never done hardcore drugs or heroin. So I would imagine that he might also be looking at a lampshade and thinking it's a 13 year old hooker. The album is called done with mirrors for a reason. <laughs> I hadn't even made that connection. Yeah. Uh, the other thing that that I found weird is at the end of a couple lines there, he had that really weird, uh, almost like a yodel, where he he just went up to a high note that had a really fast vibrato. Uh, that was kind of weird. Um, I, I that kind of took me out of the flow of the song a little bit. But in general, I'm really liking what I hear. Yeah, no, and, that's and, a, Steven Tyler adding his little embellishments to remind you that he's there and he can hit that note. And it's a play on words because done with mirrors is also fake it till you make it, which almost mm -hmm. feels like that's a good title for this comeback album, right? Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely.
you know, th- what I like about this, I think, too, is that it's simple. They're not trying to overcomplicate it. It's really just straightforward rock and roll. Yep. And uh, ironically, this is the last album that the band did where it was just them writing the music and the songs. Uh, they used outside writers from Permanent Vacation on. So the, this is the last one with just the five of them. And this is a, a Steve Tyler, uh, Joe Perry joint. Mm. Yeah, just straight ahead, Aerosmith rock and roll. That kind of, you know, was the soundtrack of the 70s for a lot of people. Yeah. It's it's um, it's a sound we look for with Aerosmith. I'm trying to say enough without tipping my hand too much, but this is really, at its core, an Aerosmith song. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Uh, the production on this song is so good. Like you, you, that guitar had that great tone. Those cymbals sound amazing. That ride cymbal that Joey's playing, that sounded fantastic. There's great separation uh, amongst everybody. I love that part. I was actually just just going to say the opposite. Um, oh. I think that the ride was just a little bit too loud in the mix because that bell cuts through just a little bit too much. And I didn't like the fact that the guitar sounded like he was on the other side of the stage from me. Um, I would have liked that a little more in the foreground in the mix. The tones of it, though, like the guitar sounds great. It's a little bit muddy. It feels like it's a little bit disconnected from the song. Uh, but I love the sound of it. Uh, and I love what the drums are doing. But I I kind of felt like I'm standing next to the drummer and the guitar players on the other side for me. Well, you may be a sexy man, but that's a bullshit take. John, what did you think? <laughs> <laughs> so, 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 am I? Am I, am I the big decider here? Do I have to you choose are. between mom and yep. dad? Yeah, decide between mom and dad. You got to live with one of us, John. Who's it going to be? So, so, okay. In a very quick ten-second argument, Corey, why should I side with you? Because I'm right. Because that sounded really good. Because everything I said was true. And Scott is a drummer and was complaining that the symbol was too loud. Fuck, Scott, you have a five-second rebuttal. Well, that's exactly why you should listen to me is because I'm a drummer and I'm saying that there's a problem with the drums. Jesus Christ. That was the most Lars Ulrich counter argument <laughs> you'll ever hear. Or you win. Yay! Damn. Well, I know who's not taking care of you when you need it. And you don't get him for Christmas either, Scott. Fuck you. Damn it. He was my favorite gift. Sorry, what's that? He was my favorite gift item. <laughs> Anyone know who Giulio Anna Pacalucci is? I have no idea. He probably lived on the corner and 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 sold stale club rules. I, yeah, I, I was going to ask. You, you can copy and paste that way faster than I can even read that, let alone type it. It's just bringing up uh, my fist your face lyrics. I don't know if I don't know who the hell that is. If Why anyone knows, he knows. He just made up a name. No, or it's somebody he just knows, and it's not Googleable <laughs> because the guy probably died long before the internet was invented. 
Uh, he's the only one that stayed. Uh, I, I guess we know that about him. Julio Anapolucho probably didn't live long enough to see the internet. Gotcha. But but see, that makes it a pointless reference. If if you know you're just putting out random names, it's kind of but but the Beatles did that all the time. And the Beatles were always talking about people and things that nobody had any yeah. idea. What yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait, wait, wait. Not, not only did the Beatles do it, Scott. Who the fuck is Eleanor Rigby? Uh, they, they titled songs after people that nobody knew. There, I I did hear Paul McCartney tell the story of that, but I can't think of what it is. Right, but he told the story about it. You don't know who the fuck Eleanor Rigby is. No, not at all. It was just, it was a person he knew, but not anybody of any like fame. Right. It wasn't a movie character or who, who, who is know. a day in the life written about. Um, supposedly Paul McCartney. Yeah, supposedly, right? But we don't know. We don't know. Well, and isn't it a few different stories? Uh, John Lennon talked about uh, reading in the okay. newspaper about a guy who blew his brains okay. out. Okay, wait, wait. I'm going to take it off the Beatles. John at the bar is a friend friend of mine. He gives me my drinks for free. Yeah. He's quick with a joke or to light up a smoke, but there's some place he'd rather be. Who the fuck is John? Because he's not me. Because <laughs> you he's don't not smoke. me. It's, it's, you know, but if you're saying John at the bar, that's one thing. Like, this is such a specific name. Davy is still that it in the seems Navy. Like, it should be. It should Davey be. Davy yeah. is still in the Navy, Scott. Yeah. And thank you for your service. But it's, it, this is such a specific name. I feel like it's somebody we should know. No, but you're it, right on the Eleanor Rigby thing. I mean, it's, it's, so it's I'm, not, as, I'm not right as, on the piano as, man thing, though. Should, shall well, we talk about, shall we talk about Anthony's song? Well, it's just different when it's just like one guy's first name. It could be anybody. It's just, you know, the guy at the bar. But you're talking a very specific name here. I I, I kind of want to know who that person is, and I don't get any information. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. To okay. Okay. You want, you want a full name? Billy Jean. She's not my lover. No. You can't have her. You're not going to win an argument with me, Scott. It's not <laughs> happening. Not on this show. But I get a story about. I get a story about Billy. The whole song's about Billy Jean. This is just some random name on a line in a song that refers to nothing, which is more Beatlesque. So, so, so what, what, what's your what's your point? Why do you have a problem with it? I don't even. I'm already. Now. I'm still irate at you that you somehow completely chastised the last section. And it's like you like you've never been more wrong on this show about a thing you've said other than hey that's just because hey, Corey told you to say that. Well, let's first of all, when do I ever listen to Corey? That every everybody who listens to the show knows that's that's a line of bullshit. Amen. Se, yep. se, second, second of all, Scott, you put the movie back on. You put the movie back on again. Right, that's the first time you're wrong. I, I know, how to, wrong I know how to beat John Mariano in an argument. All I have to do is say. Who picked last week's song? Yeah, I, I got it over with. I did it early enough on a random episode to get it over with because that's the show, Scott. That's the show we signed up for. We have to listen to every one of these fucking songs, whether they're good or just piles of dog shit like last week. Oh, Scott like is such week. a rookie. He doesn't know he can't win. Just just I let can't. it go, Scott. Yeah, I, I, it's, it's that uh, South Detroit spirit. Yeah, and because John picked me, I'm totally siding with him. You're <laughs> incredibly wrong this episode. We're taking off the movie and we're putting this song on your nasty cuts <laughs> by vote of uh, two to one, just so you know. I'll be in the corner turning to dust. <laughs>
I really like that guitar line though. You know, it's, it's really unexpected. And this is the kind of stuff that we hear occasionally from Aerosmith, where it's just something that in, in the middle of a very simplistic, straightforward rock and roll song, they'll throw something like this in there that really sets it apart and makes it different. And I have to say, I really like that part. I'm also wondering now if Julio was his drug dealer. Yeah, say, please no more. Yeah. They were trying to get off the stuff uh, at this point in their career. Mm-hmm. And who who would be the one that would stay is the guy that's, you know, making the bank. Yeah. I mean, do you think this is the same Julio who was playing down by the schoolyard? Because that, this all tracks. Be a lot this older by now. Man, Julio makes arounds. I like it. Good no, pull, because Scott. that seems like a, he'd be a lot older. That could be where he's dealing, Scott. Yeah. It could be. You see, that you're not getting insight like this on other podcasts. Only here. John Mariano, legend. There might be a reason for that. All right, My Fist, Your Face from Done With Mirrors. Technically a single in 1995. Uh, it was a promotional single, but it still counts. Uh, the single was actually released in uh, 1986. Uh, let's start with John. What did you think about this one, my friend? I I, I think it's a real banger. I think this, this is what I come to an Aerosmith podcast to listen to. This is what I'd expect to be on an Aerosmith mixtape. Let's see if we can find some room for this puppy. Yes, my face to your face. Uh, being a single, uh, it would have to replace something on the all-time Aerosmith top nine. Uh, let's recap those songs for you here. Let the music do the talking. Chip away the stone. The other side. Hangman jury. Crazy. Eat the rich. Mommakin. Shut up and dance. And deuces are wild. Uh, so before we decide if this is going to go on that list, uh, Scott, let's get your thoughts. Yeah, I really like this song. Um it's uh, it's weird because it, it doesn't really have a, a chorus per se, but it does uh, it does have a lot of energy. Uh, I think this is the classic Aerosmith. This is like the band that I got into. You know, it it just would have uh, if I had heard this song around the time I got into Toys in the Attic, I would have been like, let me get this album, without even hearing another track. Yeah, uh, I put this one on the mixtape, and I I dig the hell out of the song. Uh, I was hoping you guys would like this one too. Uh, I love Done With Mirrors. I think it's underrated. I think this song is underrated. And I think it it's in the conversation to get on a mixtape. So we're all kind of in the same boat here. Is there a song on the Ultimate Aerosmith Top 9 that we would replace with My Fist, Your Face? John, why don't you kick us off? Oh, I have one, but I'm going to let Scott go first. Okay. I feel a trap coming. <laughs> the movie's not on why. there. So, yeah, yeah we'll that's true. That. Uh, you know, I would say of of all the songs that are on the top nine currently, the song that I like the least, which is not to say I don't like it because I like all the songs on the mixtape. Um, but of the nine, the one that I like the least is Let the Music Do the Talking. Fuck you. I knew it. See? Wait, wait, wait. wait. Can, I, can I go now? Can I go now? Yeah. All right, before you go, Corey, because I have a, I have a suggestion here. There is one song on there which... It's not that I think it's a bad song. It's just I feel like this song is leagues better than, and it's honestly my ninth song on the top nine right now. 
which means it would still make a top 10. It just doesn't make a top nine. And that's hangman jury. See, John's giving me this grin because he thinks I'm going to get upset if he knocks that song off of the mixtape. And I, I'm not. Ooh. You would you be in favor of My Fist Your Face replacing Hangman Jury? I think it's a really good song. I think the thing with me and Hangman Jury is I think it, there's a little bit of nostalgia. So I have to to kind of separate the nostalgia. I think this is just as good of a song. So I would say if if you want to replace it, um, I I would stand behind you on that. It, it's it's not my least favorite on the mixtape, but I'll I'll go with that. I think it I think this song is worthy of a spot. I concur. And I'm totally cool with John's suggestion of Hangman Jury, too. There's a better version of Hangman Jury uh, from Unplugged. Uh, that would be tougher to kick off for me. But I'm cool with my fist, your face, uh, my fist, your face, my fist, your face, replacing Hangman Jury. But that's not the end of the road for Hangman Jury. Uh, it, it has a second chance here on one of our nasty cuts. John, currently, you have Walk on Water, Cheesecake, and Bright Light Fright. Scott, you have the movie Nobody's Fault and Ragdoll. I have Falling in Love is Hard on the Knees, Janie's Got a Gun, and You Gotta Move. Um, because, uh, John, you suggested Hangman Jury get bumped for My Fist, Your Face, is there a song on your Nasty Cuts you would replace with uh, Hangman Jury? I'm between Hangman Jury and uh, Walk on Water. I gotta be honest. Like I'm, If I'm gonna knock one off, it, it, that'd probably the, be the one I'd knock off. And it really comes down to do I think it's better than Walk on Water? I'm like, I probably feel about the same of them, but I feel like right now Permanent Vacation has plenty of representation on the mixtape, and I would be okay letting this go or deferring to see if you guys want to take it. Okay, so uh, so far not on John's Nasty Cut. Scott, let's go to you. The movie Nobody's Fault and Ragdoll, do you feel like taking one of those off for Hangman Jury? In a wild move that no one expected... I will, uh, if you wouldn't mind uh, making the physical move on here, I would uh, replace Ragdoll with Hangman Jury. Okay. Knocking down the number of represented songs from Permanent Vacation by one. There you have it. Scott has taken Ragdoll off for Hangman Jury. Uh, my opinion doesn't matter, but I, I think you made a good call. I like Hangman Jury a little better than Ragdoll. So I'm glad to see that it's sticking around. And Scott and John, just so, so you know, if you both voted no, I was going to take You Gotta Move off of my nasty cuts and put Hangman Jury on there. I, I think it deserves a little longer shelf life. Yeah, I, I uh, well, see, that's the thing, because you always go last, Corey, so I never really know what the fate of anything is. And I, I was just confident that one of you guys would make sure it would stick around, and I felt like my, my three are better than your three right now. Okay, so I have a question then. In In light of that thought... Let's say that that uh, I didn't save it and Corey didn't save it and Hangman Jury just fell off the whole kit and caboodle today, right? Next week, let's say I have a change of heart and I'm like, you know what? I wish I'd have saved. I, I wish I would have saved Hangman Jury. Can I do it now? Can I go back after the fact and just uh, no. at any time pick a song, or does it have to be no. at the time it's bumped? It's at the time it's bumped. You cannot. You cannot like. Oh man, we we really made a mistake three weeks ago. No, no, that's not the show. No. Okay, I just want to understand the rules. The, 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 this is a show where my songs never we, get picked, so I don't know what's going on. We 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 say we saved one song, and that was a giant mistake, and we'll never do it again. <laughs> and I've never <laughs> heard the end of it. But you know, it's our show; we can do whatever the fuck we want, right? Maybe we do a redemption episode. 
Corey. That's true. What? No. I've, backed, I've backed you up a couple of times now. Watch yourself. Okay. Well, we Sorry. did we did the 50th uh, you know, reviews where we went back over the first 50. When we get to 100, we could always go back and review the second 50 episodes that we did and uh, and have a second chance for everything. No, I think we learned our lesson from the first 50. We won't be doing that again. <laughs> Uh, that was a Corey pick, uh, my fist your face. Uh, so I guess I get to pick another one here. And uh, I'm going to stick with the the classic Aerosmith uh, theme. Uh, we got a lot of new on the dice. We need a little bit more old. I'm going to go back to Draw the Line in a song. I'll be honest with you. I don't listen to a ton of, and I, I couldn't really hum it for you if you asked me to, but it's called The Hand That Feeds from Draw the Line. So that is going on the dice, joining Jaded, you see me crying, hole in my soul from a little south of sanity. Write me a letter, and I'm down. So that'll do it for this week, folks. My fist, your face, has taken a spot on the all-time Aerosmith top nine. And uh, once again, we did not roll a Scott tune. So, Scott, uh, maybe you kick us off with, with, the, uh, with the plugs here. What you got coming up, and uh, what do you want to let the folks know about? Well, uh, I'm well into the uh, next two seasons of Uriah Heap, the Magicians podcast, with a couple of very interesting albums of them going back into the studio and re-recording older songs with different lineups. It's uh, really weird, but I had a lot of fun recording them, so maybe you guys will enjoy it. But you should also take some time right now, after the show ends in a couple minutes, go listen to a little podcast called Backtracks Theme Music with Corey Morissette and John Mariano. It is absolutely fucking awesome well thank you very much for that uh we we would wish that more people would, would find that show we have like four people including yourself listening to it and uh gosh darn it we're, we're pretty proud of that one yeah it's great johnny what do you got man buys woman man buys ring woman throws it away same old thing happens every day i'm down <laughs> well said and yeah. uh I'm not going to try and top that. You can find me where you find me. I'm on a bunch of podcasts. I'm on Twitter. I'm on whatever. Come yell at me, uh, you know, but, you know, listen to Scott's show, listen to my show, and uh, just tell John he's aces. Uh, and until next week, on behalf of John Mariano and Scott Haskin, my name is Corey Marsa. Thank you very much for listening. And as always, we will give the final word to John Mariano. I got nothing. So, from 